All right, guys, take your Bibles, open them, please, to the book of Acts, the 20th chapter, Acts chapter 20. Thank you for coming back, all right? I appreciate you coming back, those who have. A few gaps here, so some have left. Acts chapter 20, please. And uh, just said, uh, just challenging us as leaders this morning, I wanted to talk about leadership that Leading for impact, and guess what? I didn't get there, but I just mentioned some things that maybe some of us are leading out of the flesh, doing things that others are doing, and the Lord's, I think, telling us, do what I've told you to do, not what others are doing. I think leadership, some are leading out of fear. I don't even know, it's a dangerous thing to make decisions for us and for God's people out of fear. It's a reality, but trust the Lord in this season. Fatigue, we stopped there and said, if you're tired and despaired, careful you don't make long-term decisions that you'll regret. Um, don't give things up that God gave you because of your tiredness, including facilities and buildings, whatever that looks like. I'm not saying God's in your building, I know that, but some are like, we just can't afford it. Well, if God gave it to you, Ask God if you should give it up. Don't go to your bank. Ask God. It's not about buildings. Well, just all these decisions are so easy to just say we don't need it. But God gave it to you. Make sure that season's over. If you're not sure, get perspective. Get people to speak alongside you. But in faith. But I've watched people just make this. I've watched people shut down churches or just resign. Literally stand up and say, I'm done. And then we get a phone call. Hey, would you come and help us? I'm like, there's a better way to do this. Legacy, long term, right? We want to finish well. We want to run this race and finish well. To be honest, and I'm going to just tell you this, some of us are leading out of frustration. <laughs> How many of you have been frustrated in this last little while? Put your hands up. Okay, well, no, no. Put your hands up if you haven't been frustrated. <laughs> I mean, frustration is a real thing, but can I just say to all of us, any of us, whatever your role is as a leader, don't lead God's people out of frustration. Take your frustration to the Lord, not to the people. <laughs> psalm 13. Psalm 13 is a great psalm to read. And, and it's David saying, How long, O Lord? How long? I mean, David's crying out to God. How long? How many of you have gone through a season like that? How long? How long, oh Lord? I mean, how long are we locked up? How long are we shut down? How long, whatever your problem is. But it doesn't stay there. David moves in Psalm 32, but you have been good to us. You have been good to me. So how long, but you've been good to me. And can I suggest that how long should be you and the Lord having that conversation, not you having that conversation with your people. How long, O oh Lord? And then you can come out and minister to the people, but you've been good to us. It's not dishonest. It's realizing the need for leadership to give courage and strength to God's people. So we've got to be careful. Even I've got to be careful this week not to get up here and speak out of the frustrations. I'm doing my utmost not to be frustrated. I'm not frustrated with you, just the seasons we've been through. But I'm going to be with the Lord. How long? Together. God's been good to us. 
some phrases taken from various verses that speak directly to how to wait. Waiting is the worst thing in the world. I hate waiting. I must say, it's my pet peeve, and I'm learning patience. I hate waiting. Now we have to wait for everything when you travel. Have you tried traveling? Wait for everything. There's some scriptures that have helped and helped me and maybe help you just in the waiting. The Bible says in Psalm 27 verse 14, wait in expectation. Psalm 27 14, be strong. What to do in waiting? Be strong. Take heart. um, Psalm 27 verse 14, trust. Proverbs 3 5. Don't rely on your own understanding. Proverbs 3 5. Acknowledge Him, Proverbs 3, 6. Don't be afraid, Psalm 27, verse 3. Be still, Psalm 37, verse 7. Be diligent, Proverbs 21, 5. Lay requests before Him, Psalm 5, verse 3. Delight in Him, not in the stuff or the stuff we don't. Delight in Him. Commit your plans to the Lord, Proverbs 16, verse 3. Let me say this to leaders, don't wear yourself out, Proverbs 23, verse 4. These are things we do in the waiting, so we don't get frustrated. And We need leaders who are faithful to Jesus and to His plan and His purpose, who are faithful with what He's given us to do. We need leaders who will fight the right battles. The battle is blazing, and some of you this morning are battle-weary. And maybe it's because you are in a fight, but also some of us, as I said earlier, it's because we're fighting a battle we're not called to fight. Stay on the wall. Build with those who God's given you, not those who left or getting you off the wall. You with me? We need to feed the sheep and stop entertaining the goats. We've got to be future focused. We have to faith to obey. Okay, let's read. Acts 20, verse 17. Here Paul is calling for the uh, Ephesus elders, and he's, we know this truth well. I'm sure we know this text, but he's calling for them, and he, and he speaks over them. And here's the deal, guys. He knows he's not going to see them again. And so he kind of gives them some things to be aware of. And verse 17, he says, From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I declared it and I demonstrated it. You know how I lived, not just the stuff I taught, how I lived. I want to just again say we need to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. Have you ever thought about what your world would look like if all of your words actually began to happen? (laughs) What would the world, your world look like? If we're not willing to follow our word, we shouldn't speak those words at all. And I just say this, when a leader does not preach his, his preaching, oh, sorry, when a, man, when a leader's life does not preach his preaching, cannot live. If you don't live what you speak, you actually nullify the word you're speaking. Have you ever thought how embarrassing it would be to actually have to preach what you practice? verse 19 he goes on he says I served the Lord with great humility and with tears 
although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly from house to house. Let me just pause for a moment and say, notice how he says, I've not hesitated to, to preach anything that would be helpful to you. Think about that, preachers. He says, I preached what you needed, not what I needed you to hear. Man, we've got to be careful, preachers, including this preacher standing here, that we don't share things that are helpful for us. That if I say this, then they'll do this for me. No, no, I'm preaching what's helpful for others. Paul said, I, I preach what was helpful for you. Question at times, why are we preaching? Why are we saying what we say? Why are we covering this series in our church? Why are we going through this? Is it so we can or so we can teach them for them? You're with me. You're very quiet. I'm not sure why. It's good news. This is awesome. Let me also say, effective leaders give people something to believe in, not just something to do. Leaders are like, hey, can you do this and will you do this? And listen, we need people to do stuff. But if you want really people to buy in, give them something to believe in. And you know what we give them to believe in? The purposes of God. Don't tell them we need you to set up and tell. Yes, we do. But that's not why they exist. We exist for the purposes of God. And when people buy into the purpose, they're going to help out in set up, tear down, making coffee and all the great things we need. We're very good at saying, you do this, you do this. No, no. Get people to buy in and believe into something bigger. Paul says in verse 21, I've declared to both Jews and Greeks, they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. I can just say to you guys, please understand, we don't make the gospel acceptable to man. The gospel makes man acceptable to God. Verse 22 now compelled by the Spirit. See that? The Spirit leading. We need some compelled by the Spirit stuff again in the church. I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. If only I, oh, sorry, verse 23. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me to task of testifying the gospel of God's grace. Now, I've heard so many guys preach on that text, and this is how we usually present it. My life is worth nothing. That's not what he said. Your life matters. Jesus gave his life for you. You can't walk around saying, my life's worth nothing. That's not what Paul said. He said, my life is worth nothing to me. I've settled. I don't live for me, but it doesn't mean my life's not worth nothing. It's worth everything. Jesus came for you, and I believe that Jesus would have come just for you if there was no one else on this planet. Do you believe that about you? I honestly believe that Jesus would have come just for me. I'm no better than anyone else. He came for the masses and for every person, but he came for you. So don't walk around as a leader saying, my life's worth nothing. It's worth everything. But we've got to settle it's worth nothing to me because I actually belong to someone else. 
He wanted to fulfill his destiny, his mission, his ministry. Verse 25. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. What a testimony. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. And he says this, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Now we haven't got much time, so I've got to just give you these points. But I hope you'll, if you're faithful, not to me, to God, you'll go home and read these scriptures and let them get in you. Because I do believe this is from God. Paul's last words, how many of you know they matter? He knew he wasn't going to see them again. Imagine if we were to preach like it was the last time we were preaching. We should probably do that a little more. I'm not trying to bring fear, but people are dying. No, just, uh, you know, people that were here are no longer here. I was at an equip in South Africa a little while ago, and a man, one of my team members, was in the front row, and he went home and he died of COVID, just so you know. I don't want to freak you out or glorify COVID, but he got COVID. He had a lung issue, and he died. He was in the front row, and he's gone. And I thought, gee, I, I probably shouldn't wait till Friday night to preach what I want to say. We'll have a build-up to Friday night, because I might not make Friday night. I'm not freaking out or trying to scare you, but how about we preach like it's our last message every time we preach? You know what will happen? We'll probably get to the point, which I'm trying to get to today. I got an amen finally. But he says this, keep watch over yourself and the flock to which the Holy Spirit calls you an overseer. Now, we're talking to everyone this morning, and all of you are leaders. So here's the deal. Don't be so good at watching over everyone else that you miss watching over yourself. It's both. And I've been big on this finishing the race. I mean, I'm all about finishing the race. I'm, I mean, I've preached so much on it. One guy took, on our team took my notes and wrote a book. I didn't write that book. Apparently, I wrote a book. I didn't write it. He wrote it on my behalf with my notes. But it was on finishing the race, finishing the race. And I realized through COVID, I'm so focused on finishing the race. But there's another part we also call to complete the task. I want to say to you, if you only focused on finishing the race, you're only looking to cross that line, you're so busy looking there, you're missing the stuff God's called you to do here. And the church, I want to say, has got to get better at completing some of the tasks rather than just so focused on running that we forget about the reason we exist and the stuff we're going through and the people around us. Don't just look there. And I believe looking, finishing the race is keeping watch over yourself. But I believe completing the task is watching over the people God's called you to minister to. And it's not either or, it's both. And some of you all about that or some of you all about that. We've got to be about both. Am I making sense? So to lead effectively, we need to remember that we are, number one, sons and daughters first. I'm a, big, I'm a big preacher on the doer. I want to go do. I'm about doing. I mean, I'm just tired of we and me and you and I. And 
I want to get it done. Maybe I'm a Martha. I'm a man, but if I had to be. Like Mary's at the foot of Jesus. I'm like, let's get the job done. Get up, Mary. We got a job to do. Right? Laugh. But I realized that in the doing, you can often miss the being. And this isn't play on words. Think about this. I was in a prayer meeting, and, and I was like really angry because I was saying, where were the prophets? And we have them here, and some prophesied good stuff, but <laughs> they got it wrong about my president. They got it wrong about COVID. No one even knew about COVID till they're here. And, and I'm like, Lord, where were the prophets? What is wrong with the prophets? And you know, the Lord said to me, where were you? Now, you heard me already say, I don't claim to be a prophet. I'm not a prophet. And the Lord reminded me of John 15. I'm not John 15. Remain in me and I remain in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The whole vine and the branches. And of course, yeah, yeah. Right? But it goes on and says this. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, I no longer call you servant. I now call you friend. Because a servant does not know the master's business. But I've revealed to you everything my father has revealed to me. And I felt the rebuke in a good way that going forward, we need a posture shift. We need to move from just being servants of Christ, which we are, to actually being friends of Christ. Which means he reveals to us the master's business which means he's not holding secrets from us. He wants to reveal the secrets of heaven. And while we need confirmation from the prophets, we don't need the prophets to tell us what God's saying. We get to go to Jesus, our friend, who's telling us as leaders where to go, what to do, as people, as followers of Jesus. So I ask you this morning, are you a servant of him or are you also his friend? Because he calls you friend and wants you to know what he's doing. See, we're sons and daughters first. And I've watched, I'm sure you've seen people in ministry, in church, literally falling away. I've watched pastors fall out of the race. I've watched, and it's not a pointing of a finger, but maybe it's because we've put our faith in the stuff we do for Him. And when the stuff's not working like we thought it should, we begin to question our identity and who we are. And I'm going to tell you this morning, before you're a pastor, a leader, an elder, a prophet, a apostle, you're a son and daughter first. And that never changes. And it came up already. Someone had a word this morning about being a son or daughter. Who said, was it? Was you, Darren? Someone. I'll give you the glory, but someone did. <laughs> but seriously, friends, listen, please. Oh, yes, yeah, sons and daughters, move to the stuff. Sons and daughters always first. Before you're a pastor, shepherd, church planner, prophet, evangelist, whatever your thing is, you're a son and daughter first. And the moment you move out of that, you're in danger of your identity coming undone. My identity was shaken through the season because I couldn't go because we were stuck staying. My job's to go. And so Zoom was my thing. And I'm over Zoom. I'm over. But the thing for me was where, what am I doing? Am I even valuable anymore? 
And my great father in heaven took me aside and loved on me like a son and said, I'm your father and you matter, not in your position, just because you're my son. It saved my life and ministry and it'll save yours too, friend. If you stop looking to people giving you approval and look to God, your father being your father first. The pressure you under... The pressure I'm under to come up with the next preach and the next thing, the download I need for this week to carry this and to preach, I'm on my knees. Give me a download. And the Lord's like, I'm your father. I'm not your download. Most of us go to God for a download because we've got to lead God's people. You're a son before you're a shepherd. So always my preaching or my praying was, okay, God, you, I'm preaching all week. I need some stuff from you, Lord. You know what I need? And I felt like, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm on my way to Adelaide if I get there on Saturday. If you stay away from COVID, don't bring COVID near me, and I can get to Adelaide and go see my dad and mom. And it's Am I not going to Adelaide? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> but seriously, I have missed my parents. I mean, forgive me. I, they, they're still alive, and I haven't seen them for years because of this crazy plague we've had. But I am so desperate, and God willing, I'm going this Saturday. And let me tell you, when I get there on Saturday, I'm not going to sit at the dining room table and say, Dad, you got a word for me? <laughs> Dad, have you got something you want to tell me while I'm here? I might never see you again. What do you want to say? My dad will be like, what is wrong with you, son? <laughs> well, I'm here. I put time aside for you to talk to me. He's like, I'm, you're my son. If I want to say something, I will. If I don't, I just want to hang out with you. Are you listening, friend? And that's my father. He'd be like, what's wrong? My heavenly father's not my download, friend. I don't go to him for download. Stop. You're not a son or a daughter. If it's always give me what I need to tell these people, just go sit with him. Go and enjoy him. Take, don't even take your notes. Don't even take your preaching. Just go hang with them. It changes everything. And what happens is when you do finally get to preach, you minister out of an overflow, and whatever you're teaching actually brings life, not death, because I've got a download that I borrowed from someone else. I, I, I'm not saying studying and, and, and preparing is not important. I do all that. But I want to tell you, if you're not going to Him just to be with Him, He's no longer your father, and you're missing out on the very reason you exist on this planet. You're in danger of guaranteed to burn out and not finish the race if you don't go to him as your father first. You will always be a son and daughter, no matter what position you carry in the church. Go to him as your father, not your download. Minister from that position, not for position. Our identity sets the tone of all we are, all we do, all we'll ever become. Those who live out of who they really are in Christ cannot be crippled by the opinions of others. And we're watching leaders getting crippled by everyone's opinions because they haven't gone to the Father to speak over them. You're my son, you're my daughter. I love you, not because of what you do, just because I love you. If you live for people's acceptance, you will die by people's rejection. Jesus isn't who we say he is, but who he says he is. And you are not who they say you are, 
but who He says you are. Bring you mic. Oh, is this a game we're going to play? Is this, is this the handing this to me, the baton? Okay. I've got the baton now. Is this going to die on me too? I promise? Thanks, man. In him. In him. No, not a conference. In him we are significant. Please don't miss the moment. I know this is funny, but it's not. It's like the devil. In him you are significant. In Him, you are sufficient. In Him, you are secure. He's your Father first. And you are sons and daughters before anything else. And we've got to work on our sonship and daughtership 